0: And welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart! To find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, time. Josh Grinney, <laughs> joined as always by my, just like, really not enjoying my party vibe wife and co
1: Mother. I mean, Alex Dandino. Yeah.
0: Actually, it's funny because it's like little M! So it's like, mother! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, guys. This is the first pod of the new year, Uh, a curation selected by one of our patrons, Edith. So we're super excited for this month. I think we'll probably call it uh, "New Year, New Me." Please, please, New Me. I don't know. We'll come up with a snappier theme. The pod struggles. I want
1: any of these to be
0: me. No, I think this is a a curation that all focuses very heavily on. Damn, I need a change of scenery. It's it's January. I got to get my life back on track. That's what all four of these movies that's say.
1: Fair, that's fair. That's fair. Okay.
0: Before we dive into Mother, a little business, guys. It's official. We're on Patreon. Uh, The very month you're about to hear comes from us from one of our Highlander tier patrons. So, guys, it's patreon.com slash film pod. You can go over there. It's the best way to help the show It's the best way to make the show exactly what you want it to be and what you deserve it to be. Uh, For as little as a dollar a month, guys, you get in. You help support the show. We assure you every single dollar helps and is appreciated. Uh, You meet our awesome Patreon community. We're working on growing over there. As you climb the official Highlander tier ranking system, you get to select the specific films that you would like to hear us cover in a Patreon exclusive library so guys it's an amazing way uh, to get in tighter to help us grow this into the behemoth of a show that it needs to be you know an idyllic house that we're just gonna pack with looky loos zealots <laughs> and terrible people but it'll be fun as we all burn to the ground that's what we're doing on patreon so again that's patreon.com slash film alchemist pod every dollar is appreciated again thank you for those of us who are kind enough to send us your hard-earned money Thank you for those of you who are about to as well. We promise in this new year, we're going to be putting in a gargantuan amount of work to make it even more awesome. Uh, The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. The YouTube, if you want to watch our faces react to the horror of these living situations we're about to talk about in January, uh, is Alchemist Again, over on YouTube, Alchemist. We're on all the socials. You're on all the socials. Get at us. Uh, And wherever you find the pod, something free and easy you can do to help us out that takes just a second, leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Make sure you invite your friends to do the same. Oh, right. God damn. God damn. That's all I could say. I was watching this movie and about 50 times I just went, God damn, right? Uh, This is a, just a pretty little ditty as the Red Hot Chili Peppers once said of a film to fucking start the new year. Uh, we are talking, of course, about Darren Aronofsky's mother, right? Like big energy at the end, little <laughs> lowercase m. That seems to be important. Uh, I don't know that I've decided why.
1: <laughs> I could burst so your bubble and tell is, you, but
0: go for it. Yeah, uh, there was a time in my life where I would have said Darren Aronofsky was my favorite filmmaker. I think he is one of the most incredible talents we have in the modern filmmaking uh Cool. he he just has a stunning array of weapons in his arsenal right i will say that when i left the theater after seeing mother my number one thought was someone take that man's bible get that thing away from him because this was noah and the mother and i was just begging someone to please god put his bible under lock and key and let him get back to making different (laughs) movies right um this film is is a mixed bag right there there is a stunning level of craftsmanship in this film and some of the segments are just mind-boggling right Mm -hmm. there are this is the kind of movie that you love when such a talented filmmaker is able to make such a an idiosyncratic flick right right very very few filmmakers could have made this film and very few of them could have made it this well I will also say this film is an absolute sharknado of mixed themes, metaphors to the point where they are crashing into each other and obliterating any possible meaning that one could glean from them. It's as on the nose as any movie you've ever seen. I mean, the most on the nose thing I've seen in a film since killing killer clowns by touching their nose, that amount of on the nose. Um, And it, it reeks of, the student film from the just absolute douchiest faux intellectual guy you went to film school with but made by some of the most talented people working in hollywood it's it's such a fucking mixed bag i thought it was really fun to revisit and get back in this was only the second time i'd seen it um so it was was interesting to go back in knowing what i knew and uh retaking this journey man what did you make of mother
1: Actually, I actually have a really interesting story of the first time I watched Mother. <laughs> um, Andrea was six months pregnant, and Oof. she was like, "Let's watch, Mo-, like, let's watch Mother." Like, it was our for some reason. Like, we got we ordered a pizza. And we we're like, "Yeah, let's let's like let's have a date night thing, you know? Let's just mm-hmm. chill out, watch a movie." I had to pause this in the middle of it and like take about a twenty minute breather uh, before I finished it. Uh the first time. <laughs>
0: Go outside and have an old Ed Harris coffee smoke. I, you're I, like legi- bah, bah!
1: legitimately. What am I watching? <laughs> legitimately had to like pause it to like come down from the fear. Yeah. Um again, when we get into it, you'll know why because
0: <laughs> I like to imagine you like on your porch having a Siggy playing actual come down by Bush. <laughs> I don't want to come back down from mother.
1: It was just one of those really weird... It was one of those things where, like... Wait,
0: what did Andrea think, though? She was the mommy-to-be. She was, was she digging it?
1: N- I mean, we both liked the movie. Like, I think this is the thing, is, like, that experience and that yeah. happening. Like, what? her yeah. being six months pregnant, like, she was big enough where it was, like, obvious she was pregnant. We were watching this movie, and, like, I, I had to pause it. I was the one who was like, I have to pause this. She was... Pretty okay. Obviously, she's just like,
0: like this little bitch is the father of my child. <laughs> kind
1: of like no, out obviously. out there
0: having a ciggy. Obviously, she's like my. Mi-
1: <laughs> obviously, she was mildly traumatized. But at the end of the day, yeah. like it was. I mean, it is just like one of those things. I mean,
0: you know what's really funny? It's scarier watching it when you have uh had children for years because you're like, damn, if this is not the exact metaphor for what it's like to have children. Yeah. Well, this movie captures though. the horror of parenting this movie perfectly.
1: Is like four different like you're saying like I don't know if it's necessarily a matter of like four different metaphors crashing into each other. Cause like you can de- I I think what's interesting about mother, and I remember talking to you about this when it came out when it came out was like you can decide what you want to glean from it. Like, yeah, it could be this biblical allegory, it could be environmental That
0: part is non negotiable, like that part is foisted right upon you. Right? No. The Christian mythology at the core of this opening is anything, so paint by numbers. But
1: see, anything that Darren Aronofsky does has biblical allegory to it. Like, I've never watched a movie of his sure. that doesn't have something like that. But, like, that to me is, like, at this right. point in his career, like surface level stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, for me, like, there's this. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence even, like, someone asked Jennifer Lawrence what the movie was about, and she was like, oh, it's about enviro- It's environmental. It's an environmental take. Yeah. I was like, okay, cool. I have actually always thought of it as what it is. What is the actual creative process? Like, I've always thought it was Darren Aronofsky talking about what it's like to be Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, I but think there's a from bit the of perspective that. of yeah. or,
1: or being a creative person who has like people loving your work, but being that creative person's uh, the movie for me. I've always liked the interpretation that the movie is about being the creative force. The person who's a creative force in this world being that person's partner, muse, whatever you want to take from it, because that's a more literal thing. But it also is like very there's a lot of things you can draw from it, I think. I mean, there's also well, they in-
0: actually were together. So the idea that. Yeah, he it's kind of like how Kevin Smith did in Chasing Amy, right? Like Joey Lawrence. uh, or Exactly. Joey Adams, whatever. Joey, name is. It's Joey Lawrence Adams. Yes, there you go. Some combination of the words Whoa. I was trying to mumble. Well, I'm not the poet, as we all know here. I'm more of a run-in-and-bash-my-brother-with-a-doorknob type. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, he said that that was his attempt to, like, kind of hash out things in their relationship through a script, right? The things I mean, he yeah. couldn't do, like, as a mature adult. And I think <laughs> if you look at it like this, that Darren Arnowski's the just shittiest partner ever. Javier, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's and, and, the thing. here's he, like, the thing. I, I agree with you to a point, right? I think there are many... And this is what I'm saying. I think there are many themes he's going for. And I think a lot of them crash into each other in ways that hurt all of them. Right. Because again, the Christian, the Christian mythology shit cannot be avoided, cannot be assuaged. You cannot talk yourself out of that being the core of this film. Right. (laughs) The Adam. And then there was Eve, the Garden of Eden, the Apple, Cain and Abel jesus like there's no fucking ignoring those elements of this film right right if you watch this with closed captioned at home later when the first fan shows up of his uh one page poem he's literally called the zealot right like there's no escaping that right and i think that it sounds this is gonna sound mean i don't mean it to sound mean i think there is a childishness in which this movie approaches that narrative, right? I think the idea that, oh, we'll just show a oh strange bed and breakfast version of the book of Genesis is dumb. Like, I think on a, on a core level, I think that's a dumb idea that doesn't work. I think because it's so on the nose, it cannot really expand into the kind of symbolisms and deeper meaning it wants to, right? There are just things that happen in this film that are absolutely surreal and break time and break reality and break belief to the point where we know we're watching some kind of Salvador or Salvador Dali, like images as thought experiment vandalism. Right. And that's fine. But I think when this kind of notion that this movie has a lot to say to me, I think is not the case.
1: I think that because it has multiple interpretations that there are multiple ter- interpretations available to say that it doesn't have a lot to say to you might not be the experience of somebody else is what i'm saying
0: no i mean that that's also true too but i i think if you watch this I think film that's what just makes it as worth watching. yeah i i watch this as you know kind of just again i i fucking i don't like this terminology because i feel like people say this to cover up for bad storytelling but tone poem right i I look at this as again, I look at this as like putting a punk rock sticker on a bathroom wall, right? This is kind of an assault on the senses and the mind and the actual medium of narrative storytelling. This is more about catching just glimpses of high emotion and high tension, yeah. right, and the movie does that part splendidly, but narratively right, this film offers so little to me right and i mean but
1: that's also that's also an admitted that's admitted on the on aronofsky's behalf anyways like he i don't i don't
0: think that that that's what because when he talks about it right that the theory is that the core of the film is about this rape and pillage i believe was the verbiage used of mother nature right yes i think that tale done in this movie works more often than some of the other bits right the way that we absolutely trample jennifer lawrence and our planet is really easy to relate to and be empathetic with right again i think it's the christian mythology part take this man's bible take that bible i'm not taking all religion but take that man's bible because it's ruining his movies the part where we're looking at this is where it doesn't work for me right you put in god right god is javier bardem right his little office is the garden of eden all this shit right the fact that we're doing a God first love the planet, I don't think that necessarily works, right? And then God unleashes us on the planet. So it's God's fault that we are not taking care of and pillaging Mother Earth. Like that kind of stuff just does not ever link up in a way that is understandable in this film, right? Now, if she was supposed to represent more humanity than nature, i think i could agree this might be a little kind of philosophical quibbling but i don't know do you think that makes sense right the idea that god is responsible for what we're doing to her and the destruction of nature seems a little baffling to me i mean
1: i think that it's i think that that's a little again this is like highly philosophical and that's not what this pot is by the way we are not. How phil-
0: dare you, sir!
1: We are Do you not, not
0: see my doctorate of clownology right me?
1: We are not philosophizers in any sense. Do you st- think any-
0: learned men don't have killer clowns and Nicolas Cage pillow shams behind them on their fucking stupid movie podcast? I'll tell you this. I think we put as much film into this, or as thought into this film as Aronofsky did. Boom.
1: All right, cool. So, anyways, we are not. <laughs> philosophizers by any stretch of the imagination but i do think that it takes i like yeah obviously if you take the literal approach of like this being a christian about christian mythology in a lot of ways yes like it falls apart pretty much immediately i think that you have to take it much more in the sense of like Yes, like mother is mother earth, so to speak. God, and I mean, Javier Bardem's character of being God is also technically because God is, look, I don't mean to shit on anyone's beliefs, but because we're talking about this, God is essentially a man made conceit. It's the law, it's, you know, it's Christian law, you know, is uh, whatever law you have on earth shall be, shall reign in heaven, so to speak. Uh, it's dogmatic principles. So, like, for me, Javier Bardem and all of the acolytes, all the people that end up showing up uh, at the house, all sort of in a way become man itself, us, the people who would take advantage of the mother's hospitality, so to speak. I mean, that I think is probably more, that works better than just saying Javier Bardem being God. Because yes, obviously he writes, you know, he writes this poem that all the people flock to. But again,
0: he gives book. his only son. For, I mean, yeah. Again, the Bible
1: was also written by men, so
0: you know. But see, if you talk to religious people, that's their loophole, right? Is that God essentially just fucking pinocchioed them and wrote the Bible himself through their hands, right? So they right. got the carpet. No, that's what prophets are supposed to do. That's
1: right. What. But that's what prophets supposed to do. If you're speaking to someone, that sounded this is, really
0: shitty of me. I'm sorry.
1: Right, but that's not what <laughs> right. Darren aronofsky is not someone who believes that clearly, so he understands that the Word of God is written through the voice of man, and therefore the voice of man is is a representative of Javier bardem who is using the Word of God to have people flock to him and essentially yeah. destroy the mother's house like and that's the other and thing see, too that like,
0: part I love I'm saying I think the Christian opening cripples some of the best parts of this film, right the idea that he created earth or nature somehow right and then this thing is set loose upon the planet and is destroying it but he won't do anything because he wants to be worshipped by them right all right that works a little better the whole adam and eve and Cain and abel shit at the start it's funny because again it works as this kind of psychological thriller right like if this was an m night Shyamalan movie right and they're like ah, this is a thought experiment on planet Zubidu, right? They're all like, you know, the house is them in their cryo chamber, something like that. You'd be like, all right, sure, whatever. I think that because the tension that this film maintains, right, like the emotional explosiveness that this film has, it sits heavy on you, and when it starts loosing itself, it is devastating, right i mean this movie really does hit you in the gut when it when it goes for it right i think some of those kind that that just opening half of the film where it is doing this very kind of baby take on the book of genesis just really throws me every time and as they get to the part you're talking about right where javier bardem is just a guy in this film right like don't look at him as god but look at him as this guy who is a creator right If you take the Christian mythology stuff out and you look at him, he's this guy. Also, I love the fact that he had such terrible writer's block and he's like, I did it. And it was like one page that fucking cracked me up. I was like, if only brother, Right? but the fact that he does that and then his fans start to show up and the more he's willing to just give her that stuff works supremely well. Right. I I think that part of the film is where it starts to soar for me. Again,
1: I, personally, I prefer the interpretation that this is an exploration of the creative process in general. Like, but the creative process from the perspective of someone who has to watch someone who sits on, not necessarily sits on the sideline, but is the supporter of that person. So like if somebody becomes extremely successful and has all these people who all of a sudden start showing up in their lives, like what you're asking is that person to hate. I am still the most important person in your life. Like, yes, it's an important thing that you've done, but like the creative process and then the, like not necessarily even the process itself, but the things that come after it and like the things that come after it, that make it quote unquote, make you famous, so to speak. Yeah. Is what I think a lot, like the bulk of the middle of the movie is really about. Cause like yeah. that to me is like what ends up being, cause all that's like, once, once you're past like the, the Donald Gleason stuff, like once you're done with like the Cain and Abel shit, obviously. Once like we get to that party they're having, where that guy walks up to her and like hits on her, and then she's like, "No, nah, I'm not Whoa. interested," and he calls her the c word. But like that <laughs> sink thing, that always gets me in that move in that scene. Like the people who keep getting up uh, on the sink, even though she's asked like four times, like, "Hey, stop! Like, don't get on the sink," and then they start like jumping on, like, "Hey, it's okay, it's okay." What yeah. it's like, to me, that is like a really again, like these metaphors are just out in the open, which I think is the thing. I again I'm fine with it. Like, I'm not looking for it, like this movie has like such interpretation available, like hidden meaning is such a waste of time. Like
0: Well, I think what's nice about watching it. Darren Aaron Time
1: could have put up a huge giant crucifix in the middle of one of those in one of one of those rooms and be like, Cool, got it, thank you. Like there's no
0: I mean, he essentially did,
1: (laughs) but there's no, what I
0: think is the benefit of the second watch is that you're not expecting it to be one of Aronofsky's great works. You're like, this is just a guy kind of having fun. And, you know, I don't think he's doing a lot of deep work in this film. Right. I think he is just really playing with this idea and some shit he wants to tweak with. Right. It feels like a vignette. I think what you're seeing is
1: someone who's wrestling through their, Someone who has, let's see, what is the budget? $33 million? Someone who accessed... That's obscene. Someone had access to $30 million and was able to run through, like, the gamut of their issues for an entire film, which I think is awesome.
0: And again, I, I will watch this movie. I would buy this movie if it meant that I could keep getting movies like this. Yeah. I think having your best filmmakers go out on a limb and make just... This kind of weird bunker shit is so important in today's yeah. I mean, movie industry, right? I I think that is important, and I I'm get, is I'm going to say a lot of this I thought was not his best work. I appreciate the fact that this guy is making this movie, right? Because right. we do need that to exist.
1: I mean, for me, what makes for me what there are two things that I first off, I, I this is the second I can't believe I never noticed this. This is the second time I've watched this movie. Um, It does not have a score, which is really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, like, it's the craft by which this movie's made that makes it so palatable. Because I think, yeah, like... Oh, yeah. Not even about, like, any other director. Like, Aronofsky's the only one who could do this kind of movie. But I think any other crew, like any other director of photography, like it's Maddie Lubatique, like any other director of photography, this movie just falls flat on its ass. Like he has always shot things like this and he's this kind of exceptional director of photography who's able to do this because that frenetic pacing, not everyone can do that. Like that's a really, really specific skill to be able to understand how you're supposed to move through a house that's essentially slowly getting more and more claustrophobic and yet every single time we're seeing stuff, I feel like I'm... I don't feel like I'm seeing the same thing. Like the repetition of shot is so lacking because we're just moving through this, you know, psychological, psychological mess so quickly. Like everybody that he surrounds himself with is so wonderful in what they're doing. Yeah. It's yeah. like a fabulous cast. I fucking forgot. Christian Wiggs in this movie he was like, Whoa, there's oh, one man. on the scoreboard Her
0: and Dom Hall Gleason both caught me off guard. I was like, Oh fuck. I forgot about that. I mean, kind just in there quick. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I that's what I'm saying, that the this is student film as done by Hollywood Titans. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and it's just on that alone, it is worth the watch, right? Mm. And it's, this is where I'll always question these kind of movies, right? Because my gut reaction is when I'm watching a movie, I process it as, you know, what is this movie and story trying to be, Right. But just – I I think this is one of those rare ones where I pull back and just appreciate it as thought experiment, right? And I think this gets back to, like, you know, we talk about the alchemy of filmmaking a lot. I think this one is so much less than the sum of its parts, but that doesn't mean that it's a failing movie or not worth your time, right? Right. Like, the people making this movie and all the elements are so much better on paper than I think this product ends up being Mm -hmm. because I think this is – just a a not unified and chaotic attempt to say something. And I think that had we, I think had there were just little tweaks that could have been had that made this all feel like it had something to say, right? Because there are moments where you, you hear ideas and you see things coming through. And you're like, holy shit, I would watch a movie about that. And you're like, I wish I was watching. I'm watching a movie that's giving me like hints of a movie I'd rather be watching but refuses to get into it because as you say, this is a movie that you just feel like you're on a water slide, right? Like you're getting splashed a little bit. It's kind of fun. And then you look down, you're like, Jesus Christ, I have another 20 seconds of this. Like, okay. you know, It's like there there are twists and turns and uh, you're like, maybe someone's peeing on me and I don't even know it right now. Like what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I think, all right, so let's try to get into a little bit more specifics, right? I think we blocked this thing off a little. True. Sure. Right. So, I think one of the things I I don't love, again, the the kind of, you know, first here's your first training book of the Bible segment. Right. But I do think Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer crush this shit. Like watching these fours playing together Mm -hmm. is fucking wonderful. They're they're so good together. All of them. I
1: mean, they're all great. (laughs) And again, like it's just it's a movie that functions really well on tension. And I think that like tension carry tension is really kind of the thing that carries you through the movie. It is. So like Jennifer Lawrence. So the mother continuously being, being accepting, but contentious about people starting to invade her space a little more and a little more and a little more. Like it starts with Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer and like, uh, Oh my god, when she walks in on them fucking, like that was like or like that weird thing where are they fucking? I can't no. What? No. Ed
0: Wait, Harris what? and Michelle Pfeiffer when Wait, she's mi- in her uh brawl.
1: Am I misremembering it? Wow. I watched it like two days ago. <laughs> I
0: know. No, but what, what Michelle Pfeiffer what do does, do? right? Ed Harris shows up, right? And he's essentially this is one of the things that is baffling to me in the film, right? Is that he shows up and he's just like, "Oh, I was told there's a room I could rent here." Like, weird. Okay. And as soon as Javier Bardem's just like, "Yeah, come on in." And we just keep learning that this is not what was presented to him. Definitely not was what was presented to mother. Right. But that Javier Bardem is just like, "It's cool. It's fucking cool." I think every married guy, everyone who lives with someone else, you immediately have this uh, this genetic lizard brain reaction to hating that, right? Yeah. And it's at your very core. I think one of the amazing feats of the film is that as soon as they start doing that, your brain is like, this is so stupid. This is – they do no effort to make us believe that they would let this man stay in their home, right? And it's one of those, uh, you know, movie things where it's not afraid to remind you that this is – a production and a thought experiment. This yeah. is not a real reality. Yet.
1: I, liked it. I like the I like the fact about that they movie.
0: are able to maintain the tension of this scene and build upon it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: knowing that none of these things are plausible actions by a human being. Right? It's one of those things in most horror movies. A lot of complaints you hear from critics or people who don't like horror movies is the characters always make the dumbest choices. Right? And then you want to turn to their little art house, you know, worshiping asses and be like. Oh, yeah? Mother, right? Like, what are you talking about? Not one decision in this movie makes sense across the board, but it, it works in a wonderfully and mysterious it's way. It's because, a it,
1: again, it functions in this like, from the very beginning. Like, it functions in this way. Like, you're watching this movie, and, like, there's, like, never, like, there's, like, obviously, this world is not real. Like, this is something that Darren Aronofsky does so much better than I think anyone else is like this is the first time I've watched a movie I guess Noah Noah would be another one but like this is the first time I've watched an Aronofsky movie where I'm like there's no way this takes place in the real world like not even fucking close it's the
0: anti-wrestler (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. Like
1: 1000%. Like those live on completely opposite ends of the spectrum. He
0: literally hit the fucking two furthest extremes.
1: Like he's literally like documentary that I happen to have famous people in and mother exclamation point.
0: And that's the thing though, right? Is that this is a a movie that's reminding you it's not realistic. So why would I, you know, cause even a movie like, let's say star Wars, right? That's an unrealistic thing to be watching. Right, The characters themselves are engaged in realistic interplay, right? These characters are not, and it's stunning that I still care because Jennifer Lawrence becomes a fucking black hole of empathy. Right. You cannot help but feel every bit of emotion that she is going through. And it's incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think because she's the only one... I, th- she's the only one who lives in the real world and within the spirit of the story. Like she's the only one who through most of the movie we're convinced is out of place. Like that to me is always how I've, how I've read it. Like she, everyone else lives in this fantasy world. She's the only one who seems to understand something's not right. So like, that's where that empathy comes from is she is the rest of us going like the fuck's going on in this movie. Like, yeah, she, She could be sitting next to us in the theater and be like, can you fucking believe this? I'm like, you're in it. What are you talking about? I know.
0: (laughs) She's like, do you understand the yellow stuff? Do you understand what's going on? I don't know. know. What is that yellow stuff? I am like,
1: I don't know. Yeah. Like, that to me is what (laughs) (laughs) makes her so (laughs) 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 empathetic (laughs) is she's (laughs) literally (laughs) the (laughs) audience and this mother character (laughs) (laughs) and all these other, like, again, it's, that's the black wholeness is you're just like, just, that is what, that is what takes us through is this like. (laughs). (laughs) you want to just like jump through the screen and be like i'm taking you out of here this is fucked up like i am getting you need help
0: you need help let's go i'm grabbing that doorknob i'm killing her husband right here's my question actually
1: here's my question i wanted to ask you this at what point because i know when i would have fucking lit that tanker and blown the house up (laughs) (laughs) okay she waited a long time yeah at what point (laughs) What's, what's your last straw? Because I know what mine was. When am yeah.
0: I going full Wendy Torrance on this fucking hellhole? <laughs> uh, I mean, honest to God, the moment Ed uh, Reed or Ed Harris, Ed Reed, the fucking famous football player, the moment Ed Harris comes in and is just like lighting a cigarette on yep, my stove. Absolutely.
1: He's like, Same thing. Don't worry, 1, Gordon, I'm taking
0: it outside. I'd be like, that's it. <laughs> I'm just turning on all the gas in the house. Just yeah. <laughs> good absolutely. luck with your non-righting ass. And I'm blowing this all to hell. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's what the movie does well for me. Right, is it feels like she is has been foisted into like a Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Right, but like uh, a dinner theater Hitchcock thing. Right, (laughs) where it's like none of it is really making sense. It's not as good as the original. Whatever. But what they do with her that is so funny, because in a movie that is so. Playing in this realm of on the nose metaphor, right? They have no interest in, you know, giving us any touchstones. No. Everything she deals with, like the idea that she just turns in her kitchen and just, there's just lemonade fixings everywhere, or she goes in the bathroom, they've just left like tissues everywhere. The the visceral seething yeah. human I rage think that's of
1: that. that is what gets me every time yeah when like, she's
0: like hey don't go in his office and she looks upstairs and that she's just fucking traipsing her dumb ass in the office like the visceral rage of everyone who has lived anywhere right you know from the moment that you are blessed to have your own room right which hopefully most everyone has gotten to experience Even if it's just a small bedroom in your parents' house, right? The moment you had that tiny square, that oasis, this is my, that Garden of Eden, wonk, because God forbid we waste just an obvious metaphor. Uh, The moment you have that small space, you understand the protection of it, right? And Jennifer Lawrence's character is fixing this house up, right? She's making it a dream house, right? For them the and watching these people just come in and fucking disrespect it and watching her partner be a son of a bitch and just keep piling on because yeah I like taking walks with this guy so we can fucking cough all over our house and bring his dumb stupid wife to make fun of your panties you know what? like that it's... that the visceral rage of these small house cleaning bits were a really good decision in a movie that I think needed more of them I mean, this is just rocket fuel for anger. (laughs)
1: Right. I mean, but that's like what it—that's what this movie is doing, and that's what the tension building really is. Is it's not this like again? It's strange because it's not building tension with narrative, like and like that is to me. You and I should be turning the movie off at that point. Like I, I I don't (laughs) give a shit about any of this. Like, but because you feel that visceral torment from these people who, like, don't give a fucking shit about the house. And they're, like, yeah. not paying attention. I, that, I cannot stop thinking about that scene with the sink. That fucking pisses me off. Like, every single it's time. unbelievable. Like, it, is, it is truly and honestly. Even if they, like, and, like, just jumping on the sink, like, why are you doing that? Why would you even think that that's okay yeah. to do? Like,
0: well, then she just walks upstairs, and there are two people that are about to fuck in her bedroom, right? These two yeah. young people. She comes downstairs. They're just fucking painting her house. And it's it's funny because in a movie where none of this can be real on any level, where Javier Bardem just spits some wordsmithing about this dead kid, and Ed Harris literally has the fucking screenwriting audacity to go, oh, God, to God. And you just are in your mouth like, like I threw up a little bit in my mouth, but then... You, It just cuts to something that works so wonderfully well. This is what
1: is amazing about this movie is like, yeah, that should be so that should be so fucking hacky. Like, and it is, and it is, but it works. I think of it as that is the true. That is the true. That is the true. That is the true. I'm going to spin
0: you a metaphoric yarn, right? Because that's what we're here for. When I was in high school on the track team, right, we used to go after our meats, and we'd go to a, a rallies or hardy I think it was Hardee's, whichever one we had in the Midwest. We had both. And they had, like, the 50-cent cheeseburger or whatever, right? right? So we would go, and we would all get $10 worth, which was, like, 20 burgers, <sighs> and see who could house the most, right? And I was just crushing all the time, right? I'm like, if you've ever eaten with me, I am a super fast and bottomless eater. It is, like, my worst power that I wish I could trade in for, like, liking the taste of vegetables, right? neither here nor there one time we're in the parking lot and this guy was just tired of me winning and he just said i got another dare for you and here's five bucks if you do it and i was like okay it had rained out so the pavement was all gross you could see the oil slick chemicals right the rainbow effect he threw his fucking cheeseburger down in an oil puddle stomped on it picked it up and said if you eat this i'll give you the five bucks and i looked him dead as dead in his eyes i just went fuck you and i housed that fucking burger and i had no shame and i got my five bucks and who knows what it did to me but i was set and determined right you should have had
1: shame that's gross
0: i i'll be honest i got so into the reliving that emotion i have no idea what i was trying to make as a point but there you go there you have it well i was about to say like aronofsky i'm just gonna throw out metaphors i was about to say that's awfully that's
1: awfully mother of you
0: yeah i have no idea what the fuck that has to do with anything maybe this maybe i'll try to save myself i literally just started retasting hey, 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 that fucking oil hey, burger. in the
1: spirit of the movie don't try to save yourself let it lie let it lie man. i mean
0: i also used to make money at working at the movie theater by chugging large movie theater size, 42 ounce 44 ounces of movie theater butter so like this is a repetitive like trauma of my life right very much like unwanted house guests trying to fuck in my house and right. do all this shit Anyways, I guess I'm saying my body's the house and the oil burger is Ed Harris or Javier. Neither here nor there.
1: Why are you trying to impact this this metaphor? Yeah,
0: No. (laughs) When you get into the the Christian mythology stuff and the movie's called Mother, I think you start to know exactly where this is going to end. Right. And I think maybe this is one of the sly tricks of the film is we know where this is going to go, right? I think we start to imagine that she is the house personified. Mm Mm-hmm she's we saw the very beginning the burning woman we start to get this hint pretty fucking early on that that's gonna be her you know whatever right we Mm -hmm. we start to figure this out i think knowing how bad this is gonna be for her knowing that her son is de jesus and is about to get got in what feels like a not cool way because everything in this movie is pretty much noise pollution uh visual right it's visual noise pollution if that makes sense right I think her having to suffer those minor housekeeping indignities <laughs> is so much more impactful knowing how bad it's going to get for her.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's it's funny cuz you're cuz you're watching it and you're like, "Ugh, just it's so inconsequential compared."
0: <laughs> but yet it's I'm so, so annoyed. It, it's so inconsequential, but it's the by the end of the film, I think it's the only thing that mattered to me. I will hold on to that rage and hatred for my whole life. You know what's really inconsequential? When the two brothers come in and are fighting over a will, mm-hmm. and he kills him, and they just leave for like 10 minutes. They kills him with a doorknob alone.
1: that was clearly yeah. a rock. And-,
0: and then God comes home. They fight and have sex on the stairs. If you want to talk about truly inconsequential filmmaking, that is... A literal just fucking ball of plastic that you like, you know, if you're making a fruit salad, that is the fucking display model plastic apple you just left in the bowl on accident. and You have to chew on it has nothing of value to add to the body cinema. Right. But then we get to the next part that actually is pretty astounding to to experience. Right. And I think that is the ebb and flow of this film. Right, I mean, I guess maybe by Cain the first murderer. I'm not going to saying lie. they left you alone too. You do understand. And then he disappears.
1: I'm not going to lie. the 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 phrase ebb and flow is not the way I would look picture. That's not the it's not the wording I'd use for mother. Mother's um,
0: more of a constant flushing downward. Yeah,
1: but like from like yes. a broken toilet, like it's just just uh, running all it's the just time, running sinking nonstop. you
0: lower. yeah Yeah. and again I will reiterate because it sounds like I'm only being negative this movie should be imbibed by everyone everyone should experience this and support movies like this
1: it is I'll say this it is one of the only times I have found art house cinema to be an event film (laughs) like I don't know how else to describe it like it's one of those things like don't watch it alone (laughs) Like I, I don't think you should watch it alone. Um, this
0: this movie is is of the ilk of movies that are specifically designed for you to run to the bar after yeah, and talk about. You ad need nauseum. to
1: talk to people about this movie. Yes, like it's that I agree with kind that kind of film. That is like like watching it alone. I guess is okay, but make sure that you can call someone to talk about
0: it afterwards. Or, or that you got two buddies with the greatest podcast in the world. <laughs> or you got we us. talk about eating oil burgers. It's fine. It's, but again, like it's
1: just one <laughs> of those movies where like nothing happens and yet everything happens. And so
0: much happens. But but so little means it all anything. It seems
1: inconsequential at a lot to yeah. a lot of it. Like
0: Because the movie literally ends with just a DJ Khaled and another one. We're back. It's like the fucking end of the Matrix when they're just like, Will Neo be back? Probably. There's a, we're on the thirty seventh, the one. Wah, 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 wah. and then jennifer lawrence has to suffer the house cleaning nightmare from hell all over again it's uh, just I that mean, is it's, we'll get to that that i got major beefs with but that's fine
1: i mean it just ends i mean it, <laughs> so this whole that i'm just the baby thing is just never gonna be a it,
0: okay so let's let's pump our brakes here a bit right ed harris and michelle pfeiffer come in and just at michelle pfeiffer just eyeballing her as predator is fucking horrendous right because she's the one who fucks everything up but still treats jennifer lawrence like shit the entire movie watching her have all these people in her house right nightmare fuel right we take this unnecessary break in the film and uh we have the the world's greatest orgasm she's like of course god can sling it bright whites we come back pregnant writing It's all happening. The house has been revamped, right? Mm -hmm. This is, to me, where the movie starts getting really fucking fun. Yes. So he writes his one page, his fucking poem, right? Mm -hmm. He gives it to her to read. And there's this really wonderful moment, right? Because it sounds like he has written the beginning of the Bible story, right? That there was nothing. At first, there was a void. And then now there was this house and life and greenery, right? And he had brought her into existence, right? And us by proxy. I love that when she finishes reading it, she says, it's beautiful, right? And he looks at her and he's like, well, what else is going on? And she just says, does this mean I'm going to lose you now? And I thought that was fucking just a great line. What do you make of this kind of introduction to the poem and her reactions to it?
1: I mean, it's... Again, there are multiple interpretations. Uh, yeah. Biblically, I would say that is the... from a, If you're looking from a biblical allegory, that is the moment where man begins writing the Bible. The Old Testament is published, and that is where God and man leave the world behind, so to speak, mm-hmm. and forge their own destiny in the worst of possible ways, or the best, depending on your interpretation. <laughs> I think... If your interpretation is frack her i want this house i mean i think from a creative i think from a creative perspective that's the moment where you achieve all that you've looked for achieving and your accolades and your adoring public become part of your life and that's when your significant other your partner whoever you're with that was with you before any of that happened says are you the same person an and hour. not only
0: that, though, right? Because remember the start of the film when she's like, you know, asks him if he's writing or something. He says, the ideas aren't flowing. And she goes, they will. We see her nurturing him on this path. Yes. And then again, he's just an absolute fucking old jizz bag for the entire rest of the film. Just a useless <laughs> gravy sock of a man for the rest of the film, right? Just terrible. But he sits there and just dong out. He writes this masterful poem. And I love the idea that she has done all of this right and is rooting for him and in that moment she knows that he is an absolute sack of shit right he literally just let the old uh you know fucking (laughs) menendez family come running through the halls (laughs) and all of a sudden she's like this seems like a guy who's not down for me and the babe right yeah and she just kind of knows what's happening she gets fancied up she is making dinner, right? We have found out her his publicist may have even read it before her. That was an extra deep knife in the ribs. Cool moment, right? When she makes dinner, he goes out. Some fucking creeps are there, right? There's that great scene where she's like, ah! And the fucking zealot's at the window. Can I see him? Yeah. All of a sudden, they're on the porch, right? She comes back out. There's a couple more. The zealot now stands beside him and not her. Uh, I think to your point, if you're looking at this as, you know, this kind of like, Creative process kind of stuff this is really strong visual work, right? I really like this segment of the movie,
1: yeah, this is the part of the movie that I think is this is the part of the movie you show up to the movies for, like that yeah. is <clears throat> again it it's the thing that's the most visually arresting it's the part that is gonna take you through to the <laughs> extremely bitter end um
0: yeah, well, I think the first part too is it's just there's not as much going the on first so part if is, you're not interested in the christian mythology there's not a lot to latch your teeth on and every there's kind I, of like three segments I don't know if I right agree in with every that. consequential segment or sequential segment i think it gets more it is more broad to experiences that you would relate to i feel like
1: i feel right. like it's just i mean again like it's just where this is it's the part of the, the, this middle section of the movie is the part of the movie. You can tell that this is the whole reason Aronofsky wanted to make this.
0: Yes, like, this is exact. It. That's a great and way I, to say it. Yes. And I
1: think that's probably like the bookends of the, like the beginning up to the brothers is very like, it's very like standard art house fair. Like you're waiting for that. Like you knew, you know that that's what the movie is going into. You're like, cool. It's when we get to this section with all these people starting to show up is when you're like, all right, this is like the heater that Aronofsky wants to like throw down the pipeline. He's like, "This is what I want to do. This is like why I made this movie. Like, this is the part you can tell he fucking loves about filmmaking." Mm-hmm. And that was that's and that that's really cool and that shines through. Yet, like, there's still no actual plot to the movie. It's just it's literally just like reactionary yes. story. This
0: is when the visual pollution and the the kind of just metaphorical assault pays off right yeah. this is when i don't need the narrative you got it this movie makes me feel the cacophony of what it's like to live in the modern world yeah in a way that so few movies capture right and this is the moment where i stop thinking of jennifer as nature the garden of eden whatever and i start thinking about her as what's inside of us right How quickly we trample, how quickly we run to idols and put everything into others. And just watching her get fucking jostled and trampled through this just onslaught of assholes. yeah, Constant assholes. It feels like being on Twitter some days, right? It feels like seeing those fucking dipshits, you know, protesting on a corner, right, with horrible signs and all this It's It's, just the modern world. It's fucking unbearable. You feel like the baby inside of her, and you're just like Jesus. Can you stand up? Can you protect us? It's It's, fucking
1: horrible. It's just the modern world, man. That's what it is. Like it is the it is, it is the progression. And again, you can go back to rather than it being. I mean, it's interesting. Like the biblical allegory, really. Instead of it being straight. Again, like I was saying at the beginning, about it being about literally the Bible, the biblical allegory becomes much more about. The world, the word of God, as it becomes interpreted through the world itself, like yes. as you see, you know, people kill for it, people love for it, people do all these other things, and like the movement of the word itself through the world is what the the house itself represents. Like that's why when like the police state, when love the pol- when the cops show up, holy shit!
0: Again, yeah, that just felt like, like from another movie. So let's yeah. kind, so right one of the things to your point i love the way you said that right the the word spreading through the world right there is a segment where he's signing autographs and people are just stealing shit right i gotta you know have something of his whatever mm-hmm. when she comes back he touches this lady's face and because ink had spilled on him she's like he marked me yeah and then they she runs around right some more through this chaos she comes back and now the zealot has won out right and he's got the poem on this big golden ornate thing right that's what him and kristen wiggs started this riot over right yeah and now he's doing like the bang with the metal pole, and he he's touching people, right? So you see the ritualized meta- the rituals metastasize, right? Mm-hmm. I thought that was fucking brilliant. Yeah. There's a scene later, right? So now it's a war zone, and heads are getting shot off, and Chris and Wig is fucking executing people. It's fucking insanity, and it's you you're like breathing hard, you're sweating, you feel like you're in this fucking house in this bit, and it's it's just breathtaking, right? There's a cool bit though when Javier Bardem kind of grabs her, right? And he's like, you know, let's go. And they're running to the stairs, and the stairs have been made into this makeshift, like, fucking apocalypse platform. Yeah. And I love the idea that he goes, they'll keep us safe. And he has to reach up to the zealot to get access to protection. I thought that was a brilliant little visual sandwiched in here, right? Is that yeah. he's not the, po- like, people don't care that he's the poet anymore because they care more about what he says the poet is and would say. Right. And so he loses a little bit of power in that moment. I thought this uh, I mean, is just the this is the payoff for everything this movie I wanted be. I mean, I think be.
1: he loses power over his words the minute again, it's the same way it's the same way art it's the same way the word of God has worked, mm-hmm. same way anything works, which is the minute it's out there, it becomes something else entirely. It's no longer your interpretation. You can say what it is All day long. This is a great example. Darren Aronofsky literally said, like, there was a, he was quoted saying, How do you walk out of this movie and not give it an F? Like, I literally made a movie of like punk rock music, just throw in your face. Yeah. How do do you, how do you review it any other way going other than saying it sucks? And like, (laughs) but, and that's literally, that's kind of
0: a douchey thing to say though. Okay. But like, that's him daring. Well,
1: hang on. Before, before you get into that one again, what I'm saying though is like, (laughs) That's literally, but what, that's the point right there is like, as soon as, as soon as the man himself says like, this is what I meant to do with this movie. And yet we're sitting here talking about the multiple, the multitude of interpretations you have for the content in this actual film, because quite frankly, there's a lot to be interpreted, but he says, there's not, he's literally telling us, but there really is like, there's a lot. There's there's so much to unpack because again, there's so much to be said. It just keeps going and going and going.
0: Yeah, I I think that's Aronofsky playing a card. I don't think he actually. All right. Thinks well, this is well if you want to just F bust movie. my premise,
1: that's fine too.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, here's the thing, though. I agree with your premise that I think he wanted to make this movie and said whatever. I don't think he honestly believes. That people should walk out of this and think it's an f. Movie. I
1: don't think that. Either, I think but he I, thinks
0: he made a transcendent cinematic experience. I was neither mainly, here nor there.
1: I was mainly using it to make the point, but right, keep going. Uh, I so, agree.
0: I agree with your point. I really do. Uh, I think okay. So all of this madness, right, and insanity leads us up to the bedroom. They have this moment. This is my favorite beat in the film when she gives birth in the silent room, right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and there's this wonderfully beautiful baby right and all this misery stops right the cacophony the din of humanity fades away we're sitting in this room with a happy mother and a happy father he's so beautiful right but then and she asks him she's like you know please tell them to leave right please ask them to leave right And he asked to hold the baby. And he's like, you know, they just want to see him. And she's pretty much like, you got to tell them to go. We have this child now. You have me. And he fucking essentially goes on a little diatribe and just says, I don't want them to go. All of the nightmares we have experienced in this film, right? The horny house destruction wake. The murder of the first murder, right? The fucking weird (laughs) unwanted house guest. The revolution the riots the police violence the police literally pepper spray god and mother nature in the face with fucking pepper spray right this is not a great scene and he tells her in that moment of beauty i do not want them to go and i thought that was just a precise dagger strike of a moment loved this bit what did you make of this segment of the film
1: I mean that's, yeah. I mean it's a, it's the it's it's the proliferation of everybody's fear throughout the movie is like it's not it's not two against the world. It's this woman, yeah. And like he's been sucked in. He's drunk his own Kool Aid, so to speak. Like speaking like really plainly, it's very yeah. Like he's just he wants he wants to be part of the world. He's it's not a matter of like it's and it's not necessarily like mother doesn't want to be a part of the world. It's that mother doesn't want to be a part of that world. So for him to say, I don't want them to go means he's fine with the way the world is, which I think is always the thing is you shouldn't be okay with how the world is like the reason you bring children in this world is to leave it a better place. At least try to, I'm sure that's not the reason most people have kids, but within the context of mother, that would be my interpretation of uh, having a child is you I want just to didn't make not like sleep.
0: And I wanted to buy more toys. That's why I had kids. No, I but, <laughs>
1: But in that, but in that same, she's of course protective. She's very protective yeah. because she sees this, oh like she sees this otherness God. in his eyes. Like that is like that
0: I, that moment, right? It's pretty horrifying. She refuses, and he slowly, devastatingly pushes that chair up to her, and he sits like a fucking gargoyle, unblinking. And she just, they, she sees she's running out of the food. Right? Please, just tell them to leave. Now he won't even acknowledge her presence, right? He just stares at her unwavering. And we watch her begin to sleep. We watch her begin to sleep. She finally dozes off. She hears a cheer. And her baby's in the hallway. And he's holding the baby up to these fucking massive monsters that we've seen. That is one of the best horror movie beats I've ever seen in my entire life. Not including the sound effect and what comes after but that dozing off bit i mean that's perfection to me you you just don't make scenes stronger like that is so fucking viscerally scary that moment right yeah and watching her just explode out knowing she's exhausted and everything trying to get her kid i would argue the next two beats do nothing for me and are gratuitous for shock value sake. Right. Yes.
1: Um,
0: the, the next snap heard round the world. Um, Ugh. just one of those things you're like, I'll never get that out of my brain. I don't know if that's for better no, or worse. I'm assuming never. just worse. Um, when the people take the baby from Javier Bardem and he kind of half protests, there is a part of you that wonders if he wanted to give that baby away. If he only had the baby to mimic what Ed, uh, ed harris's character went through he gave his son and he gives this speech right you feel like there's nothing to love and then suddenly there's i think that's the moment he starts crafting this narrative right anywho so you, you he's even more villainous right and as the baby goes and is just dead right she sees the altar with the carnage oh, dude. and all these people crying and they're like that baby died on purpose for you and this is his sound of life and love and this is the moment of just orgasmic joy is watching her finally have enough and just start John Wicking all the people in her vicinity, just stabbing the shit out of them. Because yep. you're like, this isn't why that baby died. This isn't for you. You shouldn't mock his cries as if that's something. You fucking butchered this innocent, right? You have taken and destroyed, and that's all you know how to do. And you put these veneers on it, and we create poets in this world to excuse our barbarity and make us feel better about ourselves right and it's wonderful to see her just have enough and start neck stabbing fools
1: right <laughs> yes that's what you want yeah. and you're just like keep going
0: and then Do the whole house. as soon as we're as happy as we've been in the whole film he just decides that we need to see her just get fucking beaten
1: beat down in
0: close-up viscerally which is another thing I didn't feel like really added much to me. Like I get it; I already felt like her life was terrible when people are breaking her house up. I could have done without that part. And then, yeah, and then we we go through the, you know, Javier Bardem comes in and and feigns. How could you do this to her? How could you have done this? And it's, and then he has another devastating line, right? we can't let him die for nothing after we all just watched him die for literally nothing and again to your point i can't believe it took her this long to just blow all of them to hell
1: yeah i mean, again i would have again yeah like she has yeah he has that fucking line dude and i just like i was like that's how is this the last straw like again i would have been gone the yeah. minute ed harris showed up but like She finally, and again, like, it goes against this, like, it goes into this, like, incredible, this super tight, like, very, 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 very claustrophobic filming of, like, getting her down the stairs, over to the tanker, like, this whole thing. And, And again, like, for a movie that really, like, reconstructs constantly the space and your spatial awareness of what the house is. The basement itself is never in question. I think that's really
0: fascinating. Like,
1: the geography well, of the basement. Well, because at the end, that
0: looks like a massive, unending tunnel.
1: Yeah. But the basement itself is never in question. Like, I never have... I'm, like, I'm curious the geography of the house in general, but that basement stays true. And that's always interesting to me because, like, that is, like, the... That is the, ult- that is the ultimate, like... That is the ultimate pit of despair. You're, like, I have to fucking emulate myself to be done with this and that is like but i love that that thing goes on for in, forever for infinity because that's what that despair is like you never get that back you just watched yeah. your child die
0: there's hell and the infinite void that's what's in yeah, the basement that's right it. that's the basement <laughs> just misery and and maybe that's just the lowest rung maybe that's what everything boils I think down so to too. in our lives. i mean
1: to yeah. be honest with you hell is other people so like she's been living <laughs> in hell the entire time so
0: <laughs> hell is a Sunday not on a beach with a corona. Am I right? And also, unwanted house guest. Those are the two hells. They're next door to each other. They're juxtaposed, right? Tommy Bahama hell and then everyone else's hell. Oh my god <laughs> I feel like guys that like Tommy Bahama would be stoked to have unwanted Airbnbers show up, but that's just my own theory. Yeah, Yeah, I I mean, I I think it's wonderful. And she loses it and breaks the house and runs down there. And I love when she just tells him, just, you fucking threw it all away. You fucking did. And again, the the payoffs are heavy on this part of the film, right? Because there's also something exceptionally brutal, intimately brutal, of her blowing the house up. And he suffers not a scratch, not a cinder on his perfect white linen shirt, right? Yeah. As he carries her, just fucking now crispy golem body and she's just like just fucking let me go just do it and he again he starts talking to this fucking thing right and he's um i am i and you were home right he's putting it on her that it's her fucking fault that she gave up He's fucking sack of shit but then he does this this great thing right where you know nothing is ever enough he's like i'm a creator this is what i do Right? Nothing can ever be enough. Otherwise, I wouldn't create, man. This is all that it is. This is what I am. And it's just this, I mean, just fucking cutthroat way of saying exactly what we've seen the whole film is that this woman, I mean, again, this is also a biblical thing, right? But if he's God, she could also be Lucifer, right? Having sure. run in the basement. He was the favorite, he was the first created, he was the everything. Right. And just realized it would never be enough because God had this other thing he wanted to do more. And watching Jennifer Lawrence's character try to be the perfect mother, the perfect housewife, perfectly hospitable, create the house that would be their dream, their fucking ideal paradise forever. And this scene kind of rewrites the movie as we've seen it to let us know that she knew it would never be enough for him and he knew it would never be enough for him which again just adds salt to the wounds of these indignities she suffered
1: i mean it's crushing i mean it's crushing it's also true of creative endeavors true of the word of god itself throughout the world and throughout eternity like it's just it's a fascinating it's a fascinating way to end a movie that like because the way that the way that this goes is then he, she says, take, she says, take my heart.
0: Okay. Now, what did you make? I don't know that I love the idea that she said, take it. It felt like it would have been more apt to have him just be a douche and take it himself because he doesn't care. I don't I mean, know that I liked her relenting like that.
1: I mean, well, I mean, character wise, I'm not sure what else she's got left in the tank. Like. I mean, I
0: guess what you're saying is that <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe like one more spit in the eye, something, right? A little nut tap. It feels like maybe this is the movie trying to say, like, she really does just love him that much. That this I guy being the only sure fucking would, uh, cum rag that he's been the whole movie. I'm not sure. I everyone it still like that. loves this guy. I
1: mean, like, they for all me,
0: still, she did all of this for him, even though he never cared. For me,
1: it's a matter of she did all, she originally did all this for him. Like she did all this for him up and up until a point, and then he took it and ran with it and abused it and tear it, tore it down. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's where we get to at the end of the movie. The reason for me that she says take it is truly like a matter of just relenting. Like he's taken everything already. What's the point? Do you think that of- a
0: part of it could be that this is the true thing that she mothers? Is this rebirth cycle? That that's what he pulls from her, and that is what then creates the world anew.
1: I'm not sure that would be... That seems a little hopeful for Aronofsky, in my opinion.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there is something I don't love about the idea of her having to just keep doing this. I
1: think to get abused and abused and abused, (laughs) that would be the... I mean, to me, it's just a matter... It's a a relenting. It's like, you've already taken everything else. Take what's left. And not
0: only that, we know what he does with it, which is that he turns her fucking heart that was turned into a diamond by crushing pressure of despair into a fucking paperweight in his unlocked office. Yeah. And then it just starts just all over, a yeah. I mean, it's just a kneecapping of an ending. You're like, God damn. God damn. You're just screaming at the fucking TV. And then to make matters worse, we end with Javier Bardem laughing, and it's just a real kick in the old dick of an ending of a film. It, it's, but I think this is one of uh, again for a movie like this. I think it captures really important emotional swaths of what it's like to be a human. And one of the things is our desperate need to make order out of the chaos and to create, and how our constant need to create means there will inevitably be constant destruction. And I think it just captures that kind of yearning that we all have, this suck, the fucking just pitiful desperation of us as a mass. It's not a very optimistic film at all about us as a species or our prospects moving forward, but I do think it. it in a way that very few films have captured what it's like to live right now and probably ever, this feels like they somehow caught that on the film. And it was pretty, it it was interesting to see it played back to you on that format, I thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, however you slice it, it's about the, it's about the profundity of modern – it's about the profundity of, like, modernization, but it's also about this – the constant need for approval from the masses. Approval from, like, in from, from not just a creative perspective, but, you know, from a theological perspective as well. Like, it's about the abuse that we render onto people. The ones we love, but particularly the world we love, we yeah. take advantage, and not only that, we take a, uh, we take it all for granted, and not yeah. only that, but even after we've learned that we've taken it all for granted, we still don't quite learn our lesson, and we decide we're going to take it for granted again. It's, yeah. I mean, it's and just we'll
0: never be able to create anything, especially ourselves, that will yeah. be good enough for the it's... one person we want to appease, which you can call that God or inner conscience, whatever, will never fucking be enough. Because if she was not enough in that film, right, as wife, partner, housemaker, mother, whatever, we got no hope, right? And so it's a really kind of sad fucking... It's like uh, you were saying.
1: I mean, it's just this super collider of metaphors or lack thereof in a lot of ways. And it's just, it's a huge... But, like, every time something hits, it's this explosion of filmmaking and this explosion of story. You're like, holy shit, like, this movie is really cool right now. And then it tampers down a little bit. And then there's another big flash. And, oh, you know, like, there's just, there's, this movie has these moments. And, again, like, it is not, the sum of its parts are much less interesting than the parts itself. So.
0: Yeah, but what I would say is the important thing about this, why I would say it separates itself from some of the more stereotypical kind of movies like this that we mock a lot, right? And and often rightfully so. Uh, I think that at the very crystallized, hardened core of this film, it nails emotion yeah. properly. And it draws your empathy in a way that usually movies that play as abstractly as this one. Yeah. I think the most
1: important part about this movie is that you care.
0: Yes. The fact that I I care
1: the entire time, even though I have no idea what's going on is what makes this movie worth watching and why it stands head and shoulders above the rest of those types of movies that try to do this and fail miserably.
0: Yeah. I would agree with that. That's it for lowercase mother with an exclamation point. Uh, Edith, Thank you for the selection. We're ready to turn a new leaf with your curation this month. So uh, coming up on Edith's uh, curation, Alex, let me see if I have this right. We need to talk about Kevin. Should have done that earlier. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, Reservoir Dogs and A Clockwork Orange. So we have an amazing start to the new year. We have some really awesome uh, films that we'll be dropping on our Patreon this month, including another curation uh, a burt reynolds curation from another patron so stay tuned for all the madness join us at our patreon guys you can get in for as little as a dollar a month and we assure you we will do everything we can to make it worth your while that is patreon.com slash filmalchemist pod the email is film at gmail.com the youtube is film alchemist we're on all the socials you're on please take a second and leave us a rating and review once again thank you to our wonderful patron edith thank you guys for your time and doing this just bananas journey with us we look forward to another astounding year here at the film alchemist podcast i'm josh griffey
1: i'm alex D'Antino.